verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Father, I want to thank you for those who have prayed, those who have prayed for me, those who have prayed for this congregation and the proclamation of your word. I thank you for our time in worship this morning and preparing our hearts and our opportunity to, as Judy said, to proclaim your goodness, your character, and to bless you. I pray again that for your Spirit's empowering and anointing in absolute dependence on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice the great detail in your sermon notes. I asked uh, somebody to put those in the worship folders, and they said, they're blank. I said, excuse me, it has a title. Notice it says introduction. Well, there's no outline here. So if it helps you to focus by jotting notes, there is a PowerPoint, then if there's a section of Scripture, as far as my preaching of it goes, that might in some way annoy you, this will be it. One verse, three to four messages. I kid you not. This is an introduction to this passage. Why would I spend so much time on this section? Because this particular passage is literally the keystone of our whole study in the book of Ephesians. It is the energy, it is the life, it is the resource, it is the only method that God has given to me to you, to fulfill, to be able to walk the worthy walk that we've been talking about. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if I don't understand this passage, every other exhortation that we've been dealing with up to this point is just going to become a bunch of legalistic jargon a striving in my own strength, a striving in the flesh to try to walk the worthy walk in my own power. The flow of the book of Ephesians, very clear. And most every week I've touched on it. Chapters 1 through 3 tells us who I am in Christ, the riches I have, the resources I have. I am, you are, if you are in Christ, you are among the redeemed. You are adopted. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We went from death to life. We are snatched out of the kingdom of darkness, brought into the kingdom of light. I am holy and whole. I am forgiven. Wonderful, wonderful truths. We spent a lot of time saturating ourselves in those powerful truths. Those truths of who I am in Christ are followed by chapters 4 through 6 with this admonition. Believer, because that's who you are, this is how you should live. There will be evidence of this new life, of the Spirit of God dwelling in us. If you're alive, live like you're alive. 
However, if there are indications in your life that there's death, that there's deeds of darkness, then I need to ask, you need to ask the question, am I really in Christ? We've called these characteristics, found in chapters 4 through 6, the signs of life. Things that I need to put off. Putting off the old, putting on the new. Speaking the truth in love to one another is a sign that I'm alive. Putting all bitterness and wrath and anger and evil speech away is a sign that I have life. Being kind and forgiving and tender-hearted toward one another is a sign, it's an indicator that indeed I have the Spirit of God dwelling within me. The characteristics of a believer are very clear. If you want to, I'm not sure if Judy has it up here on a PowerPoint or not, but in Galatians 5.19 and following, if it doesn't pop up here, does it pop up here? It doesn't. Ah, turn to it then. Galatians 5.19, electronically, hard copy, whatever you have. I'll wait. Sorry, don't have a page number. Throughout Scripture, this is very clear. I've mentioned that in Ephesians, Paul has a list. He has a list in almost every one of his letters. Here is his list in Galatians, chapter 5, verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, Drunkenness, orgies, and I love this line, and the like. Meaning, I could have gone on and on on this list, but you get the point. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, All of those things that I just read, by the way, all of the things listed in verses 19 through 21 or the things listed in verses 22 through 23, all of them are are a reflection, good or bad, of an inward reality. These different things either exist or don't exist in my life. If you and I have been called, if you have been called to walk with God for any length of time at all, and have known the Word of God for any time at all, I think you would agree that seeing things in somebody's life like love, joy, peace, patience, if you see that evidenced in my life, in your life, in somebody's life, I think you'd agree that those are the signs of the life of Christ in somebody, that the Spirit of Christ is indeed working in and through a person's life. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, I believe this quote is from The Cost of Discipleship, wrote, When Jesus calls a man, he bids him to come and die. When Jesus calls a woman, he calls her to come and die. Now, what that says to me is this. The Christian faith is radical. 
Can we all agree on that? That the Christian life as laid out in the New Testament is radical. I'd like to think that most of us in pursuing our walk with Christ, most of us would see the need for discipleship. Most of us would see the need for a godly living, for a godly lifestyle. Most of us would see the need for obedience. Our problem is not that we would agree with those things. Our problem lies somewhere else. And the problem I'm referring to is that for many believers, we are trying like crazy to walk a worthy walk. But many of us are trying to do that without a clear understanding of what it means to really be filled with and depend upon the Holy Spirit to do it. And unwittingly, with all sorts of good intentions, we try to get rid of things in our life that we've come to recognize that must go, that the Holy Spirit has pointed out, you need to put that off. And what we do is we begin to try like crazy. I try really hard to be humble. I try like crazy to be patient, to be kind. I try really hard to be loving. And before we know it, all we're doing is performing. Trying to act like a Christian. Which, by the way, is both exhausting and futile. Have you, ever, have you ever recognized, have you ever caught yourself in your Christian walk? Have you ever caught yourself performing? Come to church and you act humble. Just performing. Or, or you're angry about something. It's Sunday morning. There's something that has ticked you off. Whatever it is. And you pull into the parking lot and, I've got peace like a river. How you doing? Fine. It's all good. You act loving or caring towards someone, but you're not really loving or caring towards them. To live like that is a wonderful thing. That was sarcasm. See, if you've been a Christian for long, you know how you're supposed to act. So you begin to act out of the, the kinds of behavior that I'm supposed to have. And I perform for everyone. I try like crazy to impress everyone. But by the way, no one at home is fooled by the act that you put on for everyone else. Without even knowing it, you now have moved into, you've moved into a practice of spirituality that will stagnate you. Placed me in a position where I'm not connected at all with the Holy Spirit of God energizing me or empowering me. Instead, when I'm performing and acting, I am doing it all in my strength. It starts subtle. One of the problems with this facade of spirituality 
is that once I've begun to perform, it is very hard to stop. And I trust that by the end of this study that you're going to grasp, have a grasp on the fact that that kind of what I will call pious pretending is not at all a sign of the Spirit's control. But it is an obvious sign of you being in control. Listen, among the functions of the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit makes available to me the divine power of God. Whereby, in that divine power, I can face reality. Through his filling and empowering, sometimes, for some of us, for the first time in our lives, his filling and his empowering is this indescribable freedom where I am able to stop pretending. And to have an inexpressible joy because I have stopped performing. To stop pretending. To stop performing. And thereby I face the situations that I find myself in, whatever they are. And I ask God and I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me so that I can deal with these things realistically, in reality. Head on, not pretending everything's okay. No longer trying to escape. I think every one of us can identify with this because every one of us do it. Every one of us here, I don't think there's a person here who is beyond this. Our spiritual growth is a process of learning how not to pretend. Can I say it again? Our spiritual growth is a process of learning how not to pretend. For me, in Scripture, the Pharisee is the epitome of what I'm talking about. They kept their practice of faith external. So it never touched the internal realities. As such, the Pharisee was the epitome of the person who Christ could not help. He was the ultimate picture of the person that Jesus could not help because he's too busy pretending. Perhaps sincerely doing these things, but doing them in his own strength. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Luke 18, 9 through 14. Jesus tells a parable about a tax collector a sinner and a Pharisee. The tax collector pours out his heart before God. He is broken. He has come to the end of himself. He confesses his sin. He asks for forgiveness. He's honest. He's real. And then there's the Pharisee. There's a Pharisee, Jesus says, who is watching all this. And he looks at the tax collector and he says, oh man, I thank God that I am not like that person. I've done it right. 
He even lists his acts of righteousness to God. God, I'm glad I'm not like that person. Look at all the things I do. And he lists them. Now, when I read the Gospels, I often get angry with the Pharisees, how they act, how they treat Jesus, how they treat other people. But in this story, with this guy, I feel pity. See, the tax collector, the tax collector got filled, if you will. He got filled because he was broken and he emptied himself. The tax collector didn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. Instead, he pounded his chest and said, God, have mercy on me. And Jesus goes on to say, I tell you the truth, that that man, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisee was left with going on with his act. He went on with pretending and performing in everything in his life. He had to put on a show. Pretending. Maybe the best illustration that I can use is the concept of light and dark and death and life, which we were introduced to earlier in this study of Ephesians. See, the exciting thing about darkness is that I can't see anything. I could have a pile of junk in the middle of my living room, garbage, old coffee grounds, yesterday's meatloaf sitting on the floor. Wonderful, because I can't see it. And because I can't see it, I'm not responsible to clean it up. I don't have to pick it up. I don't see it. Then this terrible, wonderful thing happens. The light comes. Oh no! Would you look at this mess? Like it's turned on, now I see the junk. And I can't sit on the sofa anymore and say, it isn't there. Now, I do have a choice, and so do you. The choice is this. I can sit there, continue to watch TV, just be lazy. I can ignore the junk, or I can do the work to clean it up. The problem is that with the light and what it's revealed, now I'm responsible. Now I'm accountable. It doesn't necessarily mean that the junk is going to get cleaned up. But now I'm responsible, responsible because I see it. I've been made aware of it. I can't plead ignorance anymore. Here's the thing. When the light comes, capital L, when the light, when Christ, the light of Christ comes into my life, when, as Ephesians says, I become light because of the Spirit of God dwelling with me in, in the within me, if I decide, and I have the choice, if I decide to leave the sin, the garbage, I can choose to ignore it. But I'm responsible now. I can't plead ignorance anymore that I didn't see this habit in my life, this thing in my life. 
It's one of the reasons that at Dover we preach the Word of God and teach the Word of God because it reveals to us what really is. And we're recognized and we have to face with God's standard, not mine. That's the light. The Word of God exposes what needs to be exposed. Good news, when it's exposed, because of who I am in Christ, I am forgiven. Forgiveness is always there. Yet, I need to acknowledge what is. To prayerfully say, God, that's not okay. That's not okay. I'm sorry. I need you. I need you to heal. I need you to set me free. I need the power of the Spirit to help me put these things off, to take back that ground. I need you to live in and through me. And the church rose to their feet and said, Amen, brother. Preach on. Thank you, brother. What I can't do, what I cannot do when it's been exposed is I can't claim ignorance anymore. Now I have a decision. I need to decide, am I going to deal with it? Am I going to invite the Holy Spirit to work in this area of my life? Am I going to die? Am I going to let it go? Am I going to lean into it? Or I'm not. See, the light comes into my life and my sin looks like sin. It didn't used to look like sin. It used to look like a good time. The light comes into my life and my superficiality looks superficial. My superficiality used to look spiritual. The light shines on my relationships and they look empty. They used to look normal. The light reveals to me that my relationships with my spouse, with my kids, are shallow. And I'm forced to see that we don't know how to talk with each other, that we don't know how to have a healthy relationship with each other, that we don't know how to relate to each other. I used to ignore it, but now it's been exposed. It's easier, isn't it, to live in darkness. It's a lot easier to live without the light, or so it seems. Before the light came, I could pretend I was a Christian. I could believe that if I went to church, gave a little money, was involved in some level, that means I'm a Christian. It was wonderful. And then I heard this message. It was the gospel. And it told me that that isn't Christianity. The light exposed it. Now I have to make a decision. And I don't like it very much because it means I can't pretend to be a Christian anymore. I have to say, I'm going to bow my knee to Jesus Christ. That's my commitment or 
It isn't. It used to be that I could pretend I had a good marriage, that it was great. Then the light comes on, and I'm exposed. And I realize my marriage is lousy. I've lived for 5, 10, 30 years calling it good, but now the light of God's Word comes and says, this isn't good. This isn't how you treat each other. This isn't how you're supposed to deal with your problems. This is not living in the filling of the Spirit. Now I've got a choice. I can go on living with this lousy marriage, but it's been exposed. To me, I think the most painful thing is to have something exposed and do nothing about it. We're all such good actors, wearing masks. It's easier to live in darkness because I don't have to do anything. Or, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can allow Him to begin to put the pieces back together again. By the power of the Spirit, I can begin to clean up this garbage and put it where it belongs. But it's going to take work. And sometimes that work is painful. It means honesty and dealing with what's real. No more pretending. And that's where transformation takes place. That is where supernatural transformation takes place. Still others, we're exposed to the light. We choose to ignore it. We just keep on pretending Me? I'm great. Happy, happy, happy. The true light of God is stark. It's bright. It's revealing. It is hard reality. And that's why Jesus said in John 3, verse 19, people love darkness rather than light. Why? Because the light isn't always easy to live with. It just isn't. In the dark, I can continue to pretend if I want. But if I'm a believer, I'm going to have to do it with the light shining on me. John three nineteen through 21 Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Verse 21, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that, they may see, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. We're almost done, but I need to pause here for a second. I'm grateful that last week, I think it was last week, yep, last week, somebody came up to me and they said, one of the things I appreciate about you and Judy is that 
We know you love us. I hope you know I love you. Because this isn't an easy kind of message to listen to, is it? But it's because I love you, I would call you to something greater. To not try and live your Christian life in your own strength, but in His. And I'm just trying to lay some groundwork to allow the Holy Spirit some room in our lives to point out, maybe I'm not walking in the filling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Maybe I am trying to crank a lot of this out on my own. I want to tell you something. You may not even understand what I'm saying unless you've kind of already entered into this process. Because I guarantee you, if you begin to deal with things, if you have been going down the road of recognizing, allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal things in your life, there's things I need to put off, things that have been ingrained in my life, to put them off, to confess it, to turn away from it, to change a lifestyle, to change a habit, to allow the Holy Spirit to control me instead of me calling the shots. If you've been going down that road at all, you probably more than once have thought, I wish I hadn't started. Because it's easier to pretend. It's easier when I didn't see it. It was easier, or so it seemed, when I just went through the motions in my marriage, went through the motions in my spirituality, pretending everything is good. But the light of God has come and hit me. It's exposed what is real, and now I can't ignore it anymore. I can't pretend anymore, but it sure was easier when I could. If you're taking notes, as I was going through this, I believe the Holy Spirit brought this verse to my mind. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. My paraphrase is simply this. There will come a time, it's already here, when people will not put up with sound doctrine. But instead, they'll want to go where they're, they hear what they want to hear to make them feel good. Ephesians 1 through 3 felt good. Ephesians 4 through 6, maybe not so much. Some of you here this morning... If you're honest, you might wish that the light had never exposed what it's exposed. You see, the problem with the Spirit-filled life is that the filling of the Spirit is going to do some things in me. And one of the things it's going to do is it's going to lead me into all truth. The filling of the Spirit is going to lead me into truth. And when I'm led into truth, I'm not going to be able to pretend anymore. The neat thing about darkness is I don't see it. The neat thing about being dead is I don't feel anything. It's great. There's this disgustingly perverse comfort in being spiritually dead. I don't feel anything when I'm dead. But when I come alive to Christ, 
Not only did I come alive to the joy of Christ in me, but coming alive to Christ opened me up often to more pain than you imagined. Let's just be real for a minute. Some of us have faced things in growing up. Things have been done to us, said to us. Painful, hurtful things that you have not been healed of. And whenever you think you start to go there, it just, whoa, too painful. So you stuff it, you medicate it, you deny it. But it's always part of you. You never get over it. You never find victory of it. I'm telling you, the only way to resurrection power is going to the, going to the cross and the grave. There's no shortcuts. I think we need to know those things as believers. You need to know it even as you share your faith with other people. I hope no one ever told you, and you've never told anyone, be a Christian. It's wonderful. Well, there is a lot of things like salvation and peace that passes understanding. That is wonderful. But the Christian faith is about reality. And life is hard. Kind of chuckle sometimes when you think, Jesus said, I've come to give you life. Abundantly. When you come alive, you're going to care about things that didn't, you didn't care about. It could be easily argued that it's harder to care than to not to care. When I was dead in my hypocrisy, in my games, in my lies, in my pretending, it didn't bother me because I didn't feel anything. I didn't see it, but now that I'm alive in Christ, now I do. When I was dead in my sin, I looked out for me. You were something that I used. Now that I'm alive, I've turned outward. And it's introduced me to some terrifying concepts like compassion. To care about you. It's a lot easier not to care. It's not easy to care about you. It's easier to not care about people who are hurting. But I'm alive and I feel those things. I've seen the light. And we're not going to let the garbage sit in our lives anymore. Amen? You know what compassion is? Compassion is the sometimes fatal capacity for feeling what it's like to live inside someone else's life. Get this. It is the knowledge that there can never really be peace and joy for me 
until there is peace and joy for you as well. That is compassion. You know what I would hope for for our church? That we wouldn't pretend anymore. That as the light exposes our whatever, that we would deal with it, but not on our own strength, but in the power of the Spirit. Compassion is someone coming to me and saying, Tim, I can't even really feel joy and feel fulfilled until I know you are. That there would be a whole bunch of people in our church going up to one another and saying, Hey, how are you doing today? And they really want to know because they really care. Having been brought into the light, like we have been brought into the light through this study of Ephesians, I can't pretend anymore, and neither can you. The only way that Jesus has provided for us to deal with what has been exposed, to take things off, to put things on, to take back the ground, is to understand and enter into and access, access the filling of the Holy Spirit which we will unpack in the upcoming weeks. Let's pray. What I picture is just the Holy Spirit uh, hovering about us shining his light i recognize that very likely the powers of darkness are also there poking and prodding giving us every reason to ignore it to push it away father i Pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of your Spirit, you would speak to us clearly, and with that clarity, you would give us the courage to step in, to lean in, to ask you, to give you permission to do the work that you desire to do in our lives. Preparing our hearts to walk in and understand what it means to walk in the fullness and the empowering of your spirit, not our own strength. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pray if you're a free Wednesday night, you'd come and join us. Pray for life and VBS and this section of Scripture. God bless.